Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode 121. Today, we are bringing back the Ask Jenna Anything episodes, but we're doing it in a new and, let me say, a way more awesome way. So we're fielding your questions and separating them out by category. So the future Ask Jenna Anything episodes will be totally focused on one thing, whether it's social media or branding or Instagram. And I'm so excited about it because I get to answer your biggest questions, hang out with you guys on the air, and kind of stay a little more focused. I mean, I'm totally digging it. So today's show is all about the personal questions you've been wondering. And I knew I was going out on a limb when I gave you the opportunity to ask me your biggest questions. But today's show is so much fun. I talk about my marriage, how Drew proposed, my faith journey, the things I do before I go to bed every night. And I'm letting you in behind the scenes. And let this be a lesson that all of us are interesting. Even if you feel like the most basic, boring human being, people are curious. And so today's show is all about the personal stuff. Now, before we dive on in, I want to challenge you today. Would you take a screenshot and share that you're tuning into this show, especially this one, because I'm a little bit nervous about it. If you post it up on social media, I'd love to hear from you. It means so much for me to put those faces behind the numbers of downloads and things that we can see. And I love to just know that you are tuning into the show today. So quick, take a screenshot as you're listening to me tell you this, post it up, and I will be waving at you from our Wisconsin home. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let's dive into the good stuff. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Who are we fooling? You hate ads, right? It's like, just give me the content and stop trying to sell me on another thing. Guess what? I heard you loud and clear, so loud and clear that I'm doing something totally radical 
and I'm letting go of all of my sponsorships. Now, I might be crazy, but bear with me because when I started this show, the Gold Digger Podcast, it was all about impacting people with the best free education out there. And so to align with my mission, this show is not sponsored anymore. But it is brought to you by our free Pinterest resource, the Ultimate Pinterest Guide. That's right. It's entirely free and a full seven-page guide to help you crack the code on Pinterest. Just get your hands on it by going to www.jkpinterest.com and snag it. That's right. Another free resource made especially for you at jkpinterest.com. Enjoy. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Are you guys ready? Let's get personal, personal. I promise I will not sing through this show, but today I'm really excited to talk about some of the personal stuff. I mean, my sister has been trying to convince me that people actually care about the weird nuances of my life. And so guess what? I'm going for it. So I asked in the Gold Digger Podcast Insiders Group what you guys were wondering, and I got so many questions. So today I'm going to answer 20 of the questions that you guys left for me. And if you're not already in the group, head on over to it. We have a link to it at golddiggerpodcast.com. I'd love to hang out with you on Facebook. So we're going to kick it off with Lacey Rachel Zassman Porta. What an amazing name, Lacey. She says, what are your favorite stores online or in person to shop? So here's a fun fact about me. I worked in retail for a couple of years and ever since then, I hate going to stores. It is awful. Online ordering is my best friend. So we order so much stuff off of Amazon, not clothing, but life stuff. I mean, every single day, I swear we're getting Amazon boxes. I hope I'm not alone in this. But when it comes to clothes, there are a few favorite places. So I have been really trying to focus on choosing brands that are making a difference in something, whether it's socially creating their clothing or promoting body positivity. So of course, I love Aerie. I genuinely wear their stuff every single day. Right now I have airy pants on and a bra, which is shocking that I have a bra on. But I love Aerie. Their stuff is to die for, especially if you work from home because it's like a little higher end pajamas in a sense. I also love NYDJ. So these are jeans and I hate jeans, but they asked me to partner up this year. I'm not getting paid to talk about them right now. And I laughed at them and I was like, do you know that I'm known for yoga pants? So they were like, let us just send you some jeans. You can try them out if you don't like them. No worries. I freaking love their pants. So I live in their jeans. They're made for all shapes and sizes. As a girl with kind of a bigger booty, they are a godsend and they're so comfortable. So I can actually like work in them for the day, which is so weird because I usually work in yoga pants or sweatpants. But NYDJ, great company. I really enjoyed working with them and they totally converted me to a jeans gal. And then Veda Capsule. So it's V-E-T-T-A. I think it's Veda or it's Veda. Mm. I hope. I know. Kara is the girl who owns it and it is incredible. So she saw this need. She used to work in the fashion industry and she saw how there is so much junk that happens in that industry, whether it's unfair labor or shipping stuff in, importing stuff. And so she created this capsule wardrobe and you can literally buy five pieces and wear them 30 different ways. And so her stuff is convertible. It's beautiful. It is so luxe and it's 
a little bit spendier in a sense of what I would normally spend, but I buy like three of her pieces each collection she drops, and then you can mix and match them a million ways. So there's like a shirt dress where you can literally unbutton it and it turns into a dress. I mean, a shirt if that makes sense. And there's like sweater and you can unbutton the turtleneck neck and just make it a crew neck sweater. So it's the most versatile clothing. And then I also love Able. So it used to be fashionable, live fashionable, but they have really great stuff too. So I have like their jean jacket, their leather bag, some of their shoes are awesome. And so I'm trying to do a bigger shift towards less is more. And those are the places I shop. There's one final spot, shop Ashley Lemieux. Ashley Lemieux was on episode, I believe, 58 of the show. And she runs a shine project and she has this incredible shop where they sell these beautiful dresses. And so whenever I shoot weddings. I always wear her dresses and they are super comfy and they're also just designed to be able to move in them. And let's be honest, I love to bust some good dance moves. So I love Shop Ashley Lemieux's dresses. Okay. Brianna Solosky says, what is the best book you've read recently? So This year, I kind of transitioned from reading business books to reading books for fun. I love reading. And so it was sad to me that when I started my business, I kind of let that fall off the wayside. And so this past year, I've read so many books for fun. I literally just finished The Secret Life of Bees, which I know, I know that book came out like years ago. It was so good. I've read a lot of Jodi Pickled. I've read a lot of, I'm trying to think of the other books I've read. I just love to read. So I will make a list of the best books I've read, but I literally just finished The Secret Life of Bees last night and it was so, so good. The Nightingale was also Kristen Hanna, another amazing book I read this year. So I'm just trying to read those good page turners that kind of keep me on the edge of your seat. And I read before bed every single night, no matter what time it is. I remember at my sister's bachelorette party, We got back at like three in the morning from all the shenanigans and I still had to read in bed. And so I love reading. It's how I fall asleep at night. And that's the best book I've read recently. Brooke D. Peterson says, what is your faith story? And a few of you guys kind of asked what my testimony is. And it kind of made me realize, like, I guess I've never really shared this, but I think that honest struggle for me is feeling like I have a testimony because my faith journey has had lots of highs and lows, like everything else in life. So I was raised in the church. I was raised Lutheran. Went to Sunday school, went to Bible camp every single year. I was like, I loved Bible camp. And I think that I really came into my faith my sophomore year of college, starting my second semester of freshman year. So to be entirely candid, I was a very good girl growing up. So I, you know, didn't drink, didn't have boyfriends. Like I was very, very, very good. And then when I went to college, it was like this whole world was opened up and I started drinking and this whole other side of me started to come out. And I think it was my second semester freshman year where all of a sudden I just had this like literal come to Jesus moment where I was like, this is not who I am. Like, I am not this party girl. I am not like feeling filled up from this. Like I need to like go back to my roots. And it was so funny because one of my still dear friends, Brittany, 
we had partied together for that first semester and it was like a random Friday night and I went to Taco Bell of all places, which kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth. And Brittany was there and it was like 10 o'clock on a Friday night and neither of us had gone out. And we like sat down and we were eating our tacos and, and I was like, you know, I just, I want to change. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And she was like, me too. She's like, I made an excuse and like, I didn't want to go out tonight. And so I was super lucky to have found her. And so we started getting involved in Campus Crusade and we really like we gave up drinking cold turkey and we had each other, which was so incredible. So then she became my roommate for sophomore, junior year, junior year of college. I lived in a house with five other girls and we were all Christians. We did Bible studies together. We went to church together. But I mean, it's safe to say that all of us were still kind of finding our footing and finding our own. And And I think that, you know, it's been so interesting going through and navigating our losses. Like, like I have so much faith that God exists and that, you know, Jesus died for me. And I, and I, I know all of these things, but there have definitely been seasons of life where I don't feel them. So I feel like my testimony is just this constant pursuit. I feel like there's no finality where I can say this was the day. But I think that every single day I have to choose that. Some days are so much easier than others. Drew and I found an awesome church that we really love. And, you know, we've gotten involved there. We um, used his OCD tendencies. We became cleaners to kind of serve in that aspect. But it's always just hard for me, too, because being from small town Wisconsin, you know, I joined a small group and I love the women but I was the only woman that worked. I was the only one without children. And I, you know, I was gone all the time. So I remember one night, it was a Monday night, we all got together, we were going through the word and doing all that. And I was like, hey, guys, like, I got to go. I have an early flight to New York tomorrow. And for these women, it was like, wait, what you have you're flying to New York tomorrow alone. And so I always felt just a little bit different. And that's beautiful. I don't think you should ever just enter something because you're going to feel like you're one in the same. But it was also just a really big struggle, you know, after we miscarried to feel comfortable because I was struggling so much with faith and with fertility and all the stuff. And so, you know, I think that as I continue to grow this business and and I want it to be a way to glorify God and I figure out how I can share my faith while I'm still struggling to understand it all, I think that that is a true testimony is is just showing up saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all together. You know, I, I can tell you Bible verses and, and all those things, but that daily walk is still something I'm working on. So I hope that answers your question. And I know in the episode where I did 10 things I'm scared to tell you episode 15. I talked about my faith journey and just how it's it's a constant struggle, but it's so, so worth it. So next question comes from Becky Scholl. She asks, what time do you wake up? So to be honest, for the last five years, I've been an entrepreneur for six, actually. So almost every year I've woken up at 730 on the nose. Like I would set an alarm. I'd wake up. I'd maybe hit the snooze once. I'd lay in bed, scroll Instagram, do all the things. And I'd work out at 815 every single day. And 
after our second miscarriage, I started to kind of focus more on like holistic health and what my body needs. And so now I don't sleep with my phone in the bedroom and I don't set an alarm clock, but Drew still gets up to work out at 8.15. So a lot of times I'll wake up right around then and take the dogs out on a walk. So I would say most days I wake up about 8 a.m. And even just staying in bed that extra 10, 15 minutes feels so good. But I've really, since I have the ability to not need to set an alarm, I need to take advantage of that. And I'm like looking back on those last five years and like, why didn't I just listen to my body a little bit more? So Drew and I laugh because we actually get really good sleep. We are usually in bed by 10, wake up at eight. So that's 10 hours. I know. Don't hate me. All you moms out there. God bless you. I still drink coffee, but I probably don't need it as much as you do. Speaking of coffee, cheers. Okay. Chrissy Howell says, what is your favorite way to do self-care and how do you manage to fit it in? So self-care and the definition of it has absolutely transformed for me over this year. I used to picture like bath bombs and like a bubble bath and a glass of wine while you're in the bathtub as self-care. But now I try to look at it as self-care as like a daily choice. And so Of course, I love to do things like get a massage. And during wedding season, I try to get a massage every single month or before or after every wedding. And I just worked that into my collections in terms of like, I need to, I need to do this for me and it's going to help me do a better job. So nowadays, self care looks like following my intuition more and like, like listening and honoring my body which sounds so wooey, but it's so true. So like for me, self-care is like going to a yoga class or, you know, stretching before bed and and slowing down my mind or being more mindful during my nightly routine to just kind of focus my thoughts on the here and now. And so self-care looks so different to me than what I used to visualize what it was. But I think that it's so important, especially as you get busy. And one of the things I learned this year is just to kind of focusing more on the intuition is it's so easy when you get busy to take care of yourself last, but those are the times where you need to start taking care of yourself first. And so I'm trying to like kind of turn that whole thought process on its head and really just kind of pay attention to how am I feeling? How am I fueling my body? How am I taking care of myself? Am I taking my supplements? Am I getting good night's sleep? Am I slowing down to breathe? Am I doing body scans? Am I hitting downward dog every day? Like whatever that looks like. And that's how I choose to fit it in. Natosha Cook says, where does all of that confidence come from? (laughs) You know, it's so funny. My mom always loves to tell this story. So we grew up in northern Minnesota. My brother was a hockey player. So I grew up at the ice rink and it was an outdoor rink. And I was this little girl with these double bladed skates on that are supposed to make it easier for you to learn how to skate. And I would literally just go up to the older kids and say, hi, my name is Jenna, J-E-N-N-A. Want to be my friend? And my mom was like, I never worried about you because every time you would just find a friend and hang out with them all day and then you'd come into the warming house and you'd have the best day ever. And so I was this little girl who would sit in the back of the bus with the older kids because I would just go up to them and ask if I could. And I love to like forge friendships from an early age. And so I think some of my confidence definitely comes from that. I also think all of my years as a gymnast and then as like a collegiate diver, like you have to know that you can do things like you can do hard things. And so I think there's just a lot of poise that comes with that, but like a lot of 
deeply seated confidence of if I work my butt off, I know I can make this happen. I think that in the most recent years, my confidence comes from knowing that I have a lack of energy. So I have to choose where I'm putting my energy. And at the end of the day, I'm going to bet on myself because I trust myself to come through more than I trust anyone else. And so, you know, looking back over the last couple of years, I was exhausted for so much of it. And I think a lot of it was my hormones, the gluten intolerance, all these things that I've discovered through our infertility journey. And I was just going through life so stinking tired. And so confidence came from saying, I have this many hours of energy each day. I'm going to choose to invest them here. And a lot of it came from investing it in myself. I think that now I just have seen what I'm capable of. And I know that I can continue to do big, hard things things. And I don't apologize for that because I see so many people being held back from that inability to believe in themselves and it breaks my heart. But also I know that I'm choosing to do the hard work and I'm choosing to show up in big ways and I'm choosing to forge my own path. And it it is not for everyone and it takes a lot of work, but definitely comes from the way my parents raised me. It comes from the sports I was in. It comes from my lack of energy and just seeing the results of what can happen when you make a go for it and you bet on yourself. Lacey Rachel Zassman Porta says, what is your favorite big city and small city you've ever traveled to and why? So I would say some of my favorite big cities. I loved Austin, Texas. Drew and I went there this summer. Even when it was blazing hot, it was beautiful. We really love Seattle. Um, I love visiting New York. I think it's just super fun for a couple of days. We also love Chicago. Um, small cities. You know, we did like a road trip all the way from LA all the way up to San Francisco. And we stayed at some smaller little cities in California, which were amazing. And just that drive is like surreal. Um, small could also be categorized as Kihei in Maui, which is where our condo is. It's so funny with Hawaii because there is a true community there and we're so thankful to have community in Hawaii. So when we go there, it just does feel like we're going home to a group. We we have a church there. We have a gym there. We have people that we're in touch with while we're not on the island. And then, of course, like we love the places we were born and raised. So Duluth, Minnesota, and uh, Drew was born in near Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And then we live in Fort Atkinson which is 12,000 people. And, uh, you know, we love small town life. It's it's pretty funny because, you know, I traveled all these big cities, but at the end of the day, there's something so wonderful about the simplicity of where we currently live. Allie Clements says, what are your go-to binge-worthy shows on Netflix? So, it's so funny because I don't actually watch a lot of Netflix during the day when I'm working. And so Drew and I have made our way through many series. We've watched Dexter. We love House of Cards. Oh my gosh. We watched Westworld. We watched, I'm trying to think of Breaking Bad. So, you know, we've done all the standards. We watched Stranger Things. We watched, uh, what is that one show? Making a Murder. <laughs> we 
watch the OJ Simpson trial. So we watch all those weird ones, but it's funny because it's like, I feel like so much of Drew's day revolves around like making sure I have everything I need to like get my stuff done. And so at the end of the night, if we can find a series that we both like, I am all game. And like, he would not sit down and watch something like Gilmore Girls or like Grey's Anatomy, even though I probably would love that. So those are the shows that we watch on Netflix. We're always looking for new ones. So if you guys have any, hop into the Gold Digger Podcast Insiders group and let me know what you're watching right now. We love going through series. I think it's so fun. And we totally are those people that like take a Saturday and watch six episodes in a row and then wonder where our weekend went. Rachel Sand says, what is your best marriage advice? So I would say we've been married six years. We've been together 10. And I would say that my best marriage advice is to never hit below the belt. And what I mean by that is when you are married, you know your spouse's most insecure areas. You know their deepest, darkest secrets and the areas that they struggle with. And I think that when you have such an intimate relationship, if you guys get into a fight or an argument, which everybody does, you never hit below the belt. You never bring up those deep-seated insecurities. And so Drew and I have a rule that's like fight clean. Like don't pull in stuff that doesn't need to be brought into an argument. And I can be honest, like he is way more level-headed than I am. Like I am just this like little spitfire that always talks back and needs to get the last word. Just ask my dad. (laughs) But if you don't hit below the belt, it is so much easier to truly come to a resolution. And you know, when people say like, never go to bed angry, like Drew and I will not go to bed without each other. It's the weirdest thing ever. The other night we were in bed and like, even if I'm not tired, I'll go to bed with him. And he's like, how many other people do this? And literally since we've been married day one, we've never not gone to bed without each other. And I think it's kind of weird, but it's our routine. Like we brush our teeth together and then we stretch together and then we go to bed together. And so We've never like slept in separate rooms while I will admit that I've tried to at times when I'm really mad at him, but then he'll come get me, which is really sweet. And if he doesn't, I'm like, um, you need to come get me. So yeah, I think that just really like playing fair and respecting each other is so huge and never hit below the belt. Excuse the interruption. I know you are enjoying this content and your brain feels like it might explode. And so I wanted to drop in and remind you of our totally free resource created with you in mind. If you're only on Pinterest pinning recipes, fashion inspo, and home decor, it is time to up-level your pinning game and get more intentional with your strategy. This show isn't brought to you by a sponsor and I'm sparing you on the ads, but it is made possible by our free ultimate guide to Pinterest. And I want you to get your hands on it. Cool. So hop on over to jkpinterest.com, grab your copy and start rocking Pinterest with intention today. Hit pause, go get your guide, and then we can jump right back into today's show. I'll see you over at jkpinterest.com. Now back to the good stuff. Rachel Woodward Alvarez says, who was your biggest influence growing up? I mean, obviously it was my mom. My mom is amazing. She listens to the show. Hey, mom, 
I love you. When I try to describe my mom to people, you know how everyone's like, I have the best mom or, or you're, you're really blessed if you can say that. Let me rephrase that because not everyone has that. And, and for those of you who don't, I am honestly like heartbroken because the relationship that you can have with your mother is something that is irreplaceable. But I know that a lot of people can also struggle with that. My mom is like Mother Teresa. (laughs) She always gets mad when I say that, but it's so true. I've never met someone with the purest of hearts. Like she does not speak poorly about people. She gives everyone the benefit of the doubt, even people that don't deserve it. She's a nursing instructor and she is that type of instructor that loves her students, genuinely loves them. And it's so fun because her students will reach out to me and just tell me about how incredible she is. She's a wish grantor for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. She's she's just, ah, she's awesome. And it's so cute too, because as my sister and I get older, we just, we're turning into our mom. So I hope I can be half as good as she is. But she's the kind of woman where you'll be like, hey mom, like, do you want to come over today? No, I'm just enjoying, you know, a nice, simple day in front of the fireplace reading a book or she's taking a mindfulness course just because she wants to learn how to be more mindful, which she's already like one of the most mindful people I know. And so I love like she's always learning. She's always pushing herself. She's in a singing group that sings at nursing homes. I mean, seriously, her resume is like to die for. So definitely my mother. And she still is a very much influence on my life. Alex Packett says, whom do you go to for photos of yourself? So here's a spoiler alert. So one, I've trained Drew so well. Hello, Instagram husband. He rocks. So he doesn't know how to shoot in manual, but I'll just get the settings right on my camera, hand it over, tell him what I need him to shoot. And he is actually really good. He has gotten so good at it over the years. So thank you, Drew, for that. And the other spoiler alert is I do a lot of self-timer stuff. So if I needed to get a self-portrait, like I do a ton of self-timer stuff and it's definitely interesting and it definitely takes a little while to get the hang of it. But a lot of times like with my body conscious stuff and my body positivity posts, like I'm sorry, I'm not going to stand in front of other people in my bra and underwear, even though I post it online. Silly, right? But like Drew will either shoot those or I'll just turn on a self timer. And then once a year, we'll hire one of my talented friends, which I have a million talented photographer friends to do photos of the two of us. And then we kind of just leak those photos throughout the year. So Usually it's Drew or self-timer or one of my friends. And we always credit my friends. So if you need to look at who did those, you'll see those in the credits in our Instagram posts. Meredith Claire Graves says, please talk about your passion with regards to photography. I've been waiting on an episode that you get back to the origins of your story. I know we've heard how you got started, but what captivated you and kept you coming back? What do you get out of photography itself? So it's kind of funny because looking back, I should have known that I was very interested in photography. I remember when my sister was young, we had, you know, those little wind up cameras and I made her pose and I put like our Lion King stuffed animals in the trees and I made her like pose next to them. We did a whole photo shoot. And then in college, I was like still obsessed with photography. So I bought this like underwater camera and 
you know, I would take it everywhere and I would edit all of the pictures using like Picnic, which was this weird, weird, awful filter program. I asked for a camera for when I graduated college, but I didn't get like a DSLR. My in-laws bought me this awesome point and shoot. And and so I, I had a Facebook album called Life Through New Lens, which I'm pretty sure still exists. And so there was always this passion for it, but I guess I just never thought that it could turn into a real lucrative thing. And I never really even considered it. I didn't know any photographers. I didn't understand it. So I think when the real passion started was when I was a bride myself and planning our wedding, choosing our photographer, kind of seeing that experience firsthand and how much I valued those photos that was when things kind of shifted for me. And that was also in about 2010 when I was planning our wedding, when blogs were starting to make a rise. So I started following wedding blogs and then photographers. And so that was kind of the draw. I think that there's something so, so special about freezing a moment in time. And I know every photographer says that, and that's, you know, such a blah, blah, blah statement. But I look at photos from the past and I'm so thankful I took them. And so that's why I keep taking them. And I think that now that I've, you know, been a photographer for the last six years, going on seven, I think that now I shoot less, but I shoot more intentionally. So instead of just rapid firing and then having to edit a hundred photos, I want like 10 awesome pictures that I'm actually going to do something with. And I'm still so excited. Like when I shoot a wedding, like I cannot wait to edit the sneak peeks. Like there's still that excitement, those butterflies in me to like see those pictures and edit them and deliver them and and give that gift to people. And so there's still something so deep within me that just fires me up about it. And now it's like my camera just feels like an extension of my eyes. It feels like an extension of my hands. Like it's, it's just, it goes with me everywhere. And I love just having memories. So, and you know, I'm a huge legacy believer. So pictures are such an easy way to pass along that legacy. Ashley Gibson says, what's one thing you wish you could go back and tell your teenage self? I think that, you know, looking back, I was always so worried about the way things looked. I was, and I think we still are. I mean, look at the Instagram things we do. But I was that girl that fixated on brand names and, you know, looking good and and being thin and, and all these things. And I was always boy crazy in a sense of like, I wanted to like meet my husband, even at a young age, like I I didn't want to mess around with something that wasn't going to last. I always wanted something that was tangible, something that was real. And and truth be told, like Drew was my first actual boyfriend, like the first person I took home to my parents. I dated a lot, but nothing really ever went past a few dates or like a month long type thing. And so if I could go back and tell my teenage self, it would be to like come into your own, come and figure out who you are and and prepare yourself, like be the best version of yourself and, and someone will come along. And so I think that looking back to my teen years and even my early 20s, you know, I was this achiever who wanted to be perfect, who wanted to have it all together and who was just like hopelessly romantic and you know, there's so much that I maybe missed out on because I was always 
looking for that right person or, you know, looking for the perfect job. And so I would just go back and say, like, do that inner work, like figure out who you are, figure out what you love. Don't figure out what the world thinks you should become or what you're good at, but figure out what you're passionate about. Let's see here. We have Monde Muntumba Shisenga. And she says, how long did it take for you to finish your marathon? And are you still running? So Drew and I have run two full marathons. One was in 2011. The other one was in 2013. And then, of course, we've done a ton of half marathons. Um, honestly... After our second full, I was like done. I was so burnt out because we were both working full-time jobs and like we couldn't run, do our long runs until Drew got home from work. And so we would like go out for like a 20 miler and get in. We should have had headlamps. We didn't have time to like put water stations. Like it was, oh, training was rough. I believe my first marathon, I should have double checked this before this episode. I believe my first mar- marathon, full marathon was four... 424, I believe, was the time that I finished it in. Um, And then the second one was a bit slower. I had a lot of hip pain. I literally laid down in the middle of the course and didn't think I was going to get up. Um, And I think that one was like more like 440. And it was crazy because for the first marathon, I like wanted to qualify for Boston. And I was in that pace group for a long time. And then I just totally hit a wall. I hit a wall think around like mile 18, which is pretty early to hit a wall. And but I was still so proud of that accomplishment. I do not still run right now. I'm working on low cortisol activities. So I hope that I get the running bug again someday because there is something so magical about, you know, just getting on your shoes and putting on some music and getting after it. But right now I have not run very much. So Meredith Claire Graves says, have you ever had trouble with friendships after achieving so much? Yes, (laughs) I have. And I haven't talked about it a lot. I think um, it's something that is still being processed in my head. I think that nowadays with the internet, with the brand that I run, it is so easy for people to feel like they know me. And I think that that's beautiful. And I think that I put out enough content in enough of my heart in order to do that. But I also really have guarded my heart in ways that I never used to when it comes to making friends. Because I feel like everybody wants something from you these days. And it's so hard to decipher people that are truly like in it for you and not just for me. Like I'm not just saying what's in it for me, but but in it because they love you and not not because you have followers or a podcast or whatever it is. And so I have really learned to keep my circle small and close. So I would say that I could count my close friends on two hands. And if I'm being totally honest, like friends that I actually talk to every single week, I could count them on one hand. And I think that I used to be that girl that had so many friends, but not a ton of like true deep friends. And so now that everything has happened, I feel like people come out of the woodwork I feel like people love to feel connected. I feel like people expect certain things out of me. And so I've definitely guarded my heart. And I I think that it has totally made me more of an introvert because I 
I don't need to go out and be seen. I don't feel comfortable like in settings where people know who I am. And this sounds so funny because it's like, what am I anyways? Like, I'm just this girl. But like where we live, nobody knows who I am. Like, it's not like I would go places and get recognized. And so it's very humbling because it's such a beautiful thing, the way that the internet can connect us, but it also definitely can influence the way that friendships can feel. Catherine Beard asks, how do you keep up relationships with friends as an introvert? My friends the other day were teasing because we we went out on a little triple date, which was super fun. And my friend was like, uh, yeah, I pretty much just need to come to your house and pull you off of your couch and like make you come out because I have totally become a hermit. I'm not afraid to admit it. My favorite days are days working from home where I don't have to see anyone beyond the FedEx guy. And so it's definitely hard. But I, like I said, I have like 10 really close friends. And so we'll do different weekends. Like my college girlfriends, we still get together twice, three times a year where we'll all get together. We'll rent a little cabin and and bring our families together. You know, I talk to my sister and my mom every day. And the girls that I work with are like super tight knit. Like I talk to them every day. So it kind of makes me feel less like I need to like go out, which is probably part of the problem. But You know, I am the kind of person where if I'm thinking of someone, I try to act on it and shoot just a text or a voice note or phone call, just say like, hey, I'm thinking of you today. And so a lot of my friends are people I've met online because there aren't a lot of people that do what I do here. And so they're the people that truly understand me. And so I really try to act on those urges and and look at it as like a divine, divine message or something that maybe they need some prayers or they just need to hear from me or some support. So I really try every single day to text maybe three to five of my friends and just say, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. If you need anything, I'm here. Just want you to know that you're on my heart today. Courtney McLean says, what does community and friendship look like for you as a work from home business owner? So it's very interesting. Our community where we live in, my friends, I have a a pretty tight group of girlfriends, most of which I met at the CrossFit gym. We also have a co-working space where like five of us share it, but we're all kind of in and out of there. So we're not like all working together every day. We also are involved in our church, like I said, but community to me, looks very different. So like being a part of a mastermind, that looks like community to me. It doesn't look like, you know, a false relationship. So it's very interesting. We don't have a rising tide chapter near us. So it's not like I can go to like a Tuesdays together. If I I could, I could drive, you know, an hour either way to go to one. But Community to me looks like hanging out with Drew, working with my team, even if it's remote, staying in touch with my girlfriends that live here, and then fostering those relationships with people that don't live in my town. But it's definitely hard. But as an introvert, I welcome it. Amy LC says, I'd love to know what your family friends think of your success, their role in your journey, and whether or not any opinions held you back or propelled you forward. I know you've touched on only keeping people around who are supportive, but I'd love to hear about this, especially in the early days when you first took the leap of faith. So honestly, looking back, there was definitely naysayers, but I think that it was more like messaging that I took and clung to and then was like, they don't believe in me. My family, both my in-laws and my parents, like they were hesitant for sure, but they were supportive and their hesitancy made me want to, to make a go at this, made me want to be successful. When it comes to people 
that don't understand what I do, I've realized that it's not my job to make them understand. They'll understand if they want to. I put enough out there to get what I do. But I think that for so long, I was on the defense about it. And now I'm just like, this is what I do. And this is who I am. And and if you're not interested, it's fine. And so I'm not going to cling to relationships that aren't serving me anymore. There have definitely been industry friends that have fallen off the wayside as my business has evolved and grown. And it's not a bad thing. It's not like I'm angry at them or I don't support them. It's just like, hey, like we were friends. That's great. Right now is just not the time. I think that a lot of times it's more closed-minded opinions of like, you know, what does your husband do if you if you stay home and, and you're a photographer? What does your husband do? And like people just don't understand that a girl can be super successful these days. And and again, it's not my job to make them understand that. Like that's their closed-mindedness. So, you know, I think just letting go of the people and things that aren't serving you, and that doesn't mean it has to be forever, but just really harnessing what you're giving influence on your life and understanding like you are choosing to let this influence your life. Is this a positive or a negative influence? And so it's definitely changed relationships for me. It's definitely changed the way that I talk about what I do and who I let in on like the innermost workings of my business. And I think, you know, joining a mastermind was awesome because I'm like suddenly in this group where people can talk openly about how much money they're making or how much impact they're having or how big their email list is or things like that, where I've always just felt like this black sheep. That was super helpful to just be in a community of people that were all striving to be better. Kara Haynes and Shannon Colome says, how did Drew propose? So we're getting down to our last few questions. This one's so fun. So Drew proposed the weekend I graduated at college and before I moved to Madison and I had gotten an apartment with a girl that was, it was near-ish to where my Target store was. And then Drew was living in a city outside of Madison and he gets so excited about giving gifts. And so whenever he orders me something or he buys me something, like he wants to give it to me right then because he's so excited about it. And so I remember talking about my graduation weekend, we were texting and he's like, this weekend is going to rock with like a wink face. And so I was like, oh gosh, is he going to propose? Like, and I mean, we had obviously had conversations about it. I really wanted him to ask my dad's permission first. And so we were all together for the college graduation. And he was so nervous. He like wouldn't do it. And my dad's kind of intimidating, but like he's really a big teddy bear when you know him. And Drew, I knew he he wasn't doing it. And like he would like try to get my dad alone and then like someone else would walk over or whatever. And so I had known going into it that he didn't ask my dad that weekend. So then I was like, okay, I really hope like he called my dad or something. So he did call my dad and my mom answered the phone and my mom was like, oh, he's out in the garage working on the car. And and she was like, why are you calling? And Drew was like, oh, I just have to ask him something. And then my mom was like, hold on, hold on. Let me run the phone out to your dad. Like she knew. And so then she was like on the other line, like listening to Drew nervously ask my dad for permission. And then how he proposed is it was a weekend we were moving out of my last college apartment and he made this list of 15 things we had to do before we left 
Stephen's Point, which is where we met. And so we went back to the first classroom we met in, which was my freshman year. We went to our favorite restaurant for lunch. We went to the place where we always had coffee. We went to the dorms that we were in. And we kind of just went on this tour of the city that we met in. And then at the end of it, he proposed in front of this river. It was so funny. And I started crying, of course. He was like, got down on his knee and he's like, I planned all of these things to say and I cannot remember any of them. And I was just so excited. And then it was so cute because on the piece of paper he had given me that said like 15 things we needed to do before we left Stevens Point on the back side in super pale ink was number 16 and it said get engaged. So the whole day I'd been holding on to this sheet of paper that said get engaged. But it was super fun. And then that night we went out to dinner and then met up with some friends and celebrated. So I was, was I 22? 21 or 22 when we got engaged. So it was so fun. Super cute. He's really thoughtful. I mean, we've been together for so long now that we like joke that our romance, we need to work on that. But that was a super sweet way. Olivia Ryman says, what are some of the last things you think about before you fall asleep? So Drew and I do a devotional every single night together. And then we say three things we're thankful for. And so just acknowledging things that we have gratitude for before we go to bed is such a great way to go to sleep. And it's just really nice to kind of acknowledge the things that we are blessed with in this life. Our last question is from Catherine Molstein Lide. She says, thank you so much for sharing your heart about your fertility journey. You are so incredible. I'm grateful for your courage to share and be vulnerable. You have definitely blessed my life and so many others. If this isn't too personal, what is one thing you want to share with your future child? I love this question, Catherine. I think that I want my future child to see my legacy written and not just the highlight reel, but the the real. And so Every day when I post on social media, I challenge myself of like, this is a breadcrumb of the story of my life, Um, not just for my future children, but for anyone. And so when I look at social media, it's not just this big marketing pitch. It's not this scheme. It is my diary and it's my heart just shared out loud. And so I really want to share with my future child the struggle that we went through to have them. And I want them to know about the babies that we lost along the way, but also them to know that they were worth waiting for. As much as this season of waiting is hard, it's so freaking hard. I want them to know that like we went through all of this and it was worth it. And so that's what I want my future child to know. So guys, that's a wrap. Your top 20 questions. I loved going through these. There were so many good ones to choose from. I'll definitely have to do another episode of this. Thank you so much for tuning in. At the end of the day, I easily forget, just like you probably forget that even when we feel basic and uninteresting, like there is so much of us that is unique and only we can bring those gifts to the world. And so thank you for reminding me that you are interested, that I have something special to offer. Thank you for your questions. And again, if you want to ask a question for the next Ask Jenna Anything episode, head on over to the Gold Digger Podcast Insiders group on Facebook. You can just search for Gold Digger Podcast Insiders or head to golddiggerpodcast.com to access today's show notes and invite into the group because I want to hang out with you. So come on and party with us over on Facebook. And until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. 
If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.